Start of your day, the middle of your day, or the end of your day, we are so glad you tuned in to recharge, refuel, and refocus while riding this peace party train. It's the hottest new show, y'all. Let's go! What's up, Peace Squad, and welcome back to the Peace and Serenity Radio Podcast. I am your host, Serena Linnell, and you know I am your girl who is all about peace and serenity. Listen, June is Men's Health Month. Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, and African American Music Month. And I want to highlight the men, the brothers, those who are making a difference locally, nationally, or globally. Our next guest was born in Germany, but grew up all over the world. He loves God, and he loves people. He is a connector and a community architect. He enjoys helping others activate their purpose and passion through strategic alliances. He has eight years of financial services um, in the professional uh, sector. He deems himself as a military brat. And he is the co-founder of Two or More Men Community Network. He is a board member of the International Business Academy, Newman Smith High School, and he is none other than, y'all get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. (laughs) He is none other than Mr. Tyrell Patterson. Hey, wow, (laughs) on the introduction, okay, wow. (laughs) Wow, thank you. Yeah, you did, I'm over here like, man, who's that? (laughs) 
<laughs> that's you, that's you, bro. That's you. Man, thank oh, you, thank you, thank you. It's glad to be yes. here. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, you know, sure. just a little time and, and share a little bit about you know your story, your insight on a couple of things. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. And um, we just gonna dive right in. Um, and so this month we are talking about men's health. We're talking about minority mental health. And uh, the first question I have for you is, mm -hmm. um, what has life been like for you being a black man in America? Man, man, that right there, that's a packed question. <laughs> that is a packed question. Like I said, first of all, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Just glad to be here. Um, and what it's like, what has it been like being a black man in America? Um, uniquely, like you said in the beginning, you know, growing up a, a military, a military brat, I was born in Germany, raised in, you know, lived in Oklahoma, Hawaii, Florida, Nebraska, and, and Texas now, as I'm residing here now. Um, and so what's so interesting about those journeys is for the first 10 years of my life, I hadn't predominantly been on in, in the mainland, as they say, you know, when we, when I left Hawaii at the age of 10 uh, and moved to Miami, Florida, I had a real wake up call. I had a culture shock. I lived in Miami Dade County. If, if you ever watch Verse 48, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and so I, that's where I learned to have tough skin and learn, you know, um, you know, all all know how to how to how to function in all different types of environments. And I really realized um, what uh, culturally speaking, what uh, what what blackness was. I, I didn't have a reference point of what it was as far as I knew. I knew I could dance. I liked the music. Being an athlete, that was the equalizer, being in a lot of spaces. But, you know, growing up as a kid and when you're the only uh, black students in your school in Hawaii and dealing with being bullied and all those other things. Now I go completely to an opposite environment. Well, it's nobody but me. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. left left to my right is black or Latino or Hispanic or or minority, if you will. And that's the norm. So I went from being the only in, in school to being wow. one of so many. Right. So I'm like, man, uh, and, and, and thinking I'm going to fit. Right. I'm like, everyone looks like me. Right. Everyone, you know, there's athletes, there's people who like music and dance just like me. However, um, I've said this in the past. I started to communicate or talk to a few to a few people in my class like, hey, where are you from? Because they say, hey, you talk white is what they said. Hey, you talk white. Where are you from? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, I don't. I guess this is just how I talk. Yeah, what? Yeah, like what does this mean? And they just associated with you know proper talking or enunciation with like, hey, white people. Is you talk white? And so I had to balance that dichotomy of one. I finally in a space where it's primarily black students and primarily um, black kids, but I still didn't have a sense of home. I still did not fit in because of the way I, I spoke. Um, and again, being an athlete, uh, it kind of was the kind of was the equalizer. Uh, but growing up and, and, and into adulthood, I definitely have found a, a stronger sense of identity, just honestly, in my relationship with God, my relationship with Christ, he, he kind of showed me how to, how to be first identified as a son of him, a son of the King and how to, how that applies to every aspect of my life. So that is expressed through being, being a black man in America. That's expressed be, through being a husband that's expressed through being a community advocate um, and a community architect. It's expressed through all those things. And I just so happened to, to get the, opportunity and the grand gift of expressing it through a black man's experience in America. So 
uh, it comes from a very diverse background. Uh, mm-hmm. But being a black man in America, even right now, I still get nervous when, when I see cops running, driving down the street. Yeah. Right. I still am mindful of my demeanor when I'm not dressed up as if I came out the office, mm-hmm. you know, not in my suit, not in my tie, not in my my um, dress shirts. If I'm just in my athletic wear, I'm just subconsciously aware of yeah. the, the moves I make and kind of where I'm at. And then at the same time, I'm not fearful to engage uh, other cultures and other people because being one who speaks Spanish fluently at work, like they're like, what were you, you from Dominican Republic? I'm like, no. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so I feel like I'm somewhat of an anomaly uh, because I can connect and understand the reality of the things I face every single day. And at the same time, I don't feel limited by that imposed fear. I still have somewhat of a... Um, a radical courage to still take certain things head on and yeah. not just conform to, yeah. to how society says you should and you abide, abide by the nonverbal rules of engagement. Those really don't exist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, w- I would say that's kind of a, a summary of what my experience has been like fast forward to now. Jesus. And that was like a mouthful. That was like, <laughs> that, but it was so good because, um, we don't hear about um, these kinds of experiences, right? right. Where you were yeah. born in another country or you grew up, you know, outside of the States and, you know, you come here mm-hmm. and you, you're like, okay, like, you know, you feel comfortable. You see people that look like you. Hey, they look just uh, like me, right. And then when you go to try to, to build relationships with them, they're looking at you like, okay, but, you know, who are you? Where did you come right. from? Um, right. We, you know, we can't relate. Um, and so then it's like, okay, well, I, I look like them, but I don't fit in. Like, how does that, you know, how does that work? Um, right. So that's, that's great. That's very different. It's it's a very different um, story. One that I have not heard of before. Mm. So, so you're the first, so it's very interesting. Um, and, you know, coming here at the age of, of 10 and kind of what you, um, went through before you came to the States. And then mm-hmm. once you were here for a while um, and, you know, you're now going from, say, middle school to high mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Um, and to your point, you know, they were saying you talk white and you're like, okay, right. I don't even know what that means. Like, I talk how I talk, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, and so there wasn't really this um experience of um i would say any negative or adverse experience being in your blackness as a child right here and then being here um Mm. a little bit what was that like once you say were i I would even say like high school years high school years i mean it's so interesting you ask that because um i had moved from miami florida uh, summer going into eighth grade to Omaha, Nebraska, Midwest America. So I went from uh, an environment where where friends were calling me Rail. Hey, what up, Rail? What up, Rail? What up, Tyrell? Um, being acknowledged by your you know athletics and your um, natural you know physical abilities and accolades and all that you, you know. Um, and I moved to Nebraska, and I remember one of the first. It's so perplexing. I, I never forget this story. It's my second week in Nebraska and I moved because my dad was stationed there. And then my my siblings and my mother, they came over 
um, in this in the spring uh, in the winter, like in January, February. But I came over in July, the summer prior, to get acclimated. I wanted a full school year there. So anyway, it's my second week there, and I ended up, uh, I guess, connected with someone at lunch, second week of school, and he happened to have to walk home the same way I walked home. Young, 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 young black guy. Uh, we're both in eighth grade. So anyway, we're walking down this hill and, and finally we split at the top of the hill. He goes right. I keep going straight to the apartments I was, I was walking to. All of a sudden, this car pulls up the hill and hits a U-turn and drives towards me and then slows down and puts the windows down. And these young Hispanic guys just slowly was like, hey, we heard you rep Crip. And I'm like, pause my brain, my brain. <laughs> And I'm kind of goofy naturally. But anyway, in that moment, I was like, one, how I just moved from Miami-Dade County, which is one of the roughest counties to grow up in, to Nebraska. It's my second week here. And they asking me if I rep a, a gang. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is not this is not real. But at the same time, I knew exactly what time it was because uh, the guys that were sitting in the car were looking straight and on the driver was looking at me. So I was like, all right, don't move too quick. Don't do nothing crazy. And I said, I just moved here from Miami. I don't know what y'all talking about. And then uh, they said, where'd the other guy go? I'm like, oh, so they must have been pacing like behind. They must have seen these two black kids walking. And I guess the kid I made, I connected with, he was gangbanging. He was actually in that life. And I had no idea. So, again, I'm in a new environment, predominantly yeah. white America, right? Midwest America. We're sprinkled in there, right? We, we were sprinkled in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I connected with him coming from an environment where it was predominantly black students, right? I connected with him in an environment where I thought I, I became the minority. So I connected with him because of, again, skin color, we're both black, yeah. boom, whatever. Yeah. And he was in a life contrary to what I was used to or normalized. Yeah. And I almost was um, potentially killed by association. What's up, P-Squad? That's right, it's Peace Check time. And June is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month and Men's Health Month. And so I want to bring you a few facts about men and mental health. Let's get into it. There are five major mental health problems affecting men. The five are depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, psychosis and schizophrenia, and eating disorders. Let's talk about the science of it all. Did you know depression, stress, and mood swings, especially among older men, are correlated with low levels of testosterone? And when it comes to treatment, men are less likely to ask for help, um, you know, when they're dealing with depression, substance abuse, and stressful life events because they are afraid of what others might say or think um, and they live by societal norms that society places on them. They downplay their symptoms um, or they're just reluctant to, to talk about it. They just don't want to talk about it. And so men, we have to get you to a place where you are comfortable with talking about it um, and seeking help because it is okay. Mental health affects, can affect any and everyone. There is no one person, one class um, that mental health can affect. It can affect us all. And so um, we need the men to step up and say something when, when you're feeling 
um, this overwhelming sadness, when you're stressed, when you're depressed, when you're full of anger or full of anxiety, um, we have to seek out help. And here are a few famous athletes with with mental illness, um, and they freely share and freely talk about it. Um, Terry Bradshaw, um, Brandon Marshall, Larry Sanders, and Earl Campbell, just to name a few. So men, we need you to stand up and speak out to get the help that you need. Being strong and courageous also means to be um, honest with yourself and honest about how you feel. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. You deserve, you deserve that. You deserve to get the help that you need. Here are a few organizations that can help. Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective or Being, Black Men Heal, Black Mental Health Alliance, Black Girls Can Heal, Black Mental Wellness, and Black Women's Health Imperative. Listen, those are just a few organizations out of so many that can help you in your journey to obtain mental wealth and health. That's what I say. The information for the Peace Check today um, was derived from Mental Health America. This has been your Peace Check. I am your girl, Serena Linnell, inside the Peace Lounge, right here on Mixed Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the Peace and Serenity Radio podcast inside the Peace Lounge on Mixed Talk Radio. Let's get back to the show. What's up, Peace Squad? We are back and the peace party continues, y'all. Our next guest is joining us all the way live from Tennessee by way of California. Born and raised in San Francisco, our guest today is no stranger to the music industry. Classically trained on violin and viola, she spent most of her life playing in various orchestras and string programs. Her love for God and music began at an early age and was nurtured in her local church and at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, over time, she has developed her own sound, but her message has remained the same. Her message is simple. Never give up. God created each of us with a purpose, and it's his desire that we live out that purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the Peace and Serenity Virtual Studio, Mrs. Shelly Blair. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm super here. <laughs> hey, listen, I do my audience sound like... Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Hey everybody. What's good, Shelly? Mm -hmm. much. Just out here living life in this pandorama, but we out here. Right. We out <laughs> here, right? Man. Yes. So you are here joining us. You know, June is African American um music month. Yes. And um I think we both share that love of music. And so it was only right yes. that um, that I reach out and you know have you share a little bit about you, yourself, your story, your music. So I've got a couple questions for you. Yes. All right. Um yes. So the first one is um, you know, tell us how your craft and creativity developed from orchestra 
to writing, singing, and performing. Man, what a journey. Like, so um, most people, at least from like back home, know that I come from a very musical family. I'm the baby of what I call the McBride Six. And um, my mom um, played orchestra. She was in orchestras all throughout her life. Um, And of course, she made everybody in our family learn an instrument. Even my brothers, they cried their way out of violin. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like you could have paid them to pick up a violin, you know, but it's so funny because, you know, like karma is real, you know, they're all their mm-hmm. kids play violin. So it didn't escape them. You know, they still had to listen to terrible notes here and there, you know, <laughs> you know but um, I guess in the beginning, I wasn't really a fan of violin. You know, I, I think I liked it, but I didn't like having to do the work of getting better. It was very, you know, as a kid, I just kind of wanted to be great and I just wanted it to come that way. And my mom was such a stickler for, you know, like write notes and, you know, like yeah, yeah. correctly. And, you know, and I used to cry. Oh my gosh, she hates that I tell the story, but it is the truth. <laughs> and the truth will set you free. Okay. Yes, so it will. I, had to, I used to cry and she used to be like, don't, if you, you know, you need to stop crying. You're getting tears on that wood. And I used to be like, put my feelings. My feelings. Like, you can't you care about the instrument. You don't care about my feelings. That's it. She, she was like, your emotions, you know, out of there. You better not make this instrument. But, you know, like I I did a lot of a lot of orchestras and I actually got a chance to play like uh, in Carnegie Hall in high school, like being a part of an orchestra. And I just remember, like, I'm a Home Alone fan. Like, so I was losing it, like being in there because I was just like, oh my God, where's Kevin? I don't know. My <laughs> Kevin! So, <laughs> but one thing it really helped me develop was discipline because something that, you know, and I'm, I'm a big, like, um, so, like supporter of arts because of the discipline it really helps kids have. Like, even if you have, like my kids now, my youngest is full of energy um, and it's finding a way to help her channel it. And in piano, she's completely, you know, she has her moments of being energetic, but it's like, she is so good and she has such an ear, but it's a way for her to calm herself down and be able to discipline herself to focus. And it just, it plays such a big part. So for me, while I didn't like it at the beginning, I started to really see the purpose of like why she was on me so hard of like, you got to practice. You have to set aside time to do this. If you want to be great, if you don't want to, when we have our recitals and performances, if you want to feel good about yourself, you got to be able to say, I put in the work to do it. I tried my best. And it was just very good things to instill. So when I got to um, college, I started writing a little bit more, um, just, you know, songs that worship songs that, you know, I would, you know, it, that would be put in my heart and my mind. And um, that's actually how I met my husband, which is so funny. I was I was singing a song that I wrote in the music department and he, you know, came down the hallway. And he just was like, introduced himself. I was like, you know, I heard you singing and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, this man's crazy. Cause you know, <laughs> and I was like, he sounds country. I don't have the time. Like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> and you know, like, it's just interesting how music kind of tied, you know, all of my life together at this point. And um, one of the, you know, I was just writing at that point, just kind of writing things. And I had different artists that 
I like really felt like I vibed with, you know, as far as their, their sound. Um, mm -hmm. And for a while, I think I was afraid of sounding like me. I felt like my own sound was probably like, you know, whack compared to other people. Uh -huh. So I was trying to make my sound sound like other people. And that was just always terrible. So <laughs> I started to embrace like my deep voice. I started to embrace like the raspiness that, you know, yes. I have in my voice and not trying to always clean, you know, make everything sound like somebody else. And for me, when I started to do that, it started to open up a whole nother level of like confidence for me to be able to perform and sing and stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get nervous. I sing every almost every Sunday. And before, I'm like in the back just shaking like, oh, 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 you know, like, I mean, having heart palpitations, all of it. And I'll get up there and I will still be nervous the whole time through. But it's like, it's just that nervous energy. But it's the, like, if this is a, a word that's not really a word, it's the funnest time ever. Yeah. I enjoy it so much. Like, my nerves and all, I'm just out here looking crazy. But I, it's like, I'm literally in the space. I don't know if for, you know, if you, if uh, anyone listening or you, like, if you've seen the movie Soul. Yes. In the movie where it's like they're in the zone. Yeah. Like, when I watched that, I said, this is where I am. Like, yes, I, that's right, like, okay. It makes so much sense. I was like, I'm in the zone. Yes. I'm in the zone. I so, love yeah. that movie, by the way. Yeah. I love it's that movie, by amazing. the way. Amazing. It is amazing. It is. So, it is. Yeah, like that's kind of how that transition kind of all happened. And I'm still working it all out. Too. special guest for stopping by the Peace and Serenity virtual studio today. I had a great time chatting with you. Keep doing what you're doing. I see you doing amazing things. Hey, it's nothing but peace and positivity mixed with good vibes over here. Take a closer look into the life of a warrior named Serena Linnell in her debut memoir titled Finding Serenity. Yo, this is a must read. She's persevered with grace through her journey to peace through cancer and chaos. Serena is a breast cancer survivor, y'all, whose story is not only powerful, but it's transforming lives. She is a mental health advocate who is committed to helping people find their true identity. Be sure to visit peaceandserenity.com. Hold on, wait, you gotta write that down. That's P-E-A-C-E-A-N-D-C-Z-A-R-I-N-A-T-Y.com where you can learn more about her amazing story. And be sure to purchase your copy of Finding Serenity today. And while you're on the website, check out that Peace and Serenity merchandise. Show your support. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. You've just been officially plugged into Peace and Serenity, the podcast. If you enjoyed the show today, you can catch the entire interview on the Peace and Serenity radio podcast with your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you would like to advertise your business, sponsor a show, or a sponsor a show segment, please contact peaceandserenity at gmail.com. We want to help you get your business in front of thousands of listeners and have your business recognized across six different countries. So why not advertise with us?
Hey, P-Squad, before we get out of here today, I wanted to make sure that I share with you different ways you can help support the mission of peace and serenity as we aim to spread peace throughout the world. You can donate to the show. You can donate to Random Acts of Kindness. You can donate to our Pink Christmas campaign. You can do all of this directly on our website at peaceandserenity.com. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for tuning in to the Peace and Serenity Radio Podcast inside the Peace Lounge on Mixed Talk Radio. I am your host, Serena Linnell, and you know I am your girl who is all about peace and serenity. That's all I want for y'all. I just want you to have a little peace. I love y'all. If you don't have peace, get you some. I'm out. Try